Hi ladies, welcome to Riverside. Okay, hi ladies. Does this sound like a microphone that's on? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, um, it's good to see you again. I hope you've had kind of a refreshing summer. Maybe you haven't and you're wondering like, what summer? <laughs> um, if you work long hours, if that's the season of life you're in, or if you have little children who don't necessarily sleep, you day and night can kind of blend together, let alone the seasons. <laughs> so you might, you might not be noticing that it's summer. Um, one little milestone for me this summer, <clears throat> while my family were um, staying in a little rustic cabin in North Carolina, so like a, a little step above camping, cabining, we call it, and my kids were going to the pool at the campground, um, I took a chance. And when I was packing up our swim bag, I put a book <laughs> of fiction. <laughs> I love it. You all know what I'm talking about. I'm like, maybe I'll get to read at the pool. Um, and so, you know, we have five kids, so there's all the towels and the snacks and the waters and the goggles and got there. And then my youngest, Zoe, is, uh, is doing her thing, which is she thinks she can fly. She's got her floaties on. She just has constant, like, belly flops, like, and out, and then just constant, super fun. And so we did that for a while, and then I was just like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to sit in a chair, just going to see what happens. Sat kind of close to her. Um, but you know, there can be this like cause and effect. You like, you reach into your bag, you touch the book and like you pull it out. And all of a sudden, like all five heads are like, mom, like, you know, like, it's like <laughs> let me put it back and let's try that again. Like, mom, like, every time you touch it. So, uh, you know, you want to be discreet. And I was, and it worked and I got like pages read. It was amazing. It was really cool. So read a little bit of a book by the pool and um, it was a mystery, which is a genre I don't read very often, but it was a book that was recommended to me years ago, and it, it's really good. Um, but as I was reading it, I was struck, I was like, oh, mystery, like this is, this is why mysteries are good. And it really made me think about um, what we had learned back in Colossians 1, when um, the Lord tells us uh, the mystery, hidden for ages, now revealed to the saints, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that mystery, in that sense, isn't like, well, I don't know, it's a mystery. You know, it's like, pfft, I don't know. Um, mystery is like, ooh, that's a mystery. You know, it's something you want to engage in. And, and the more that you learn, you learn a little bit, and then like you want to know more. And you're like, ooh, I think I, think I get this. And it really like engages your imagination. And you start thinking more about it and dreaming up different scenarios. And um, that a mystery in that sense should really... Uh, it just really fully engage us. And um, I hope that that's been your experience this summer as, we're, as, we, as, we, as we've been looking at this mystery. And I hope that's always your experience. You know, I pray that that's, and it isn't always my experience, but I pray that it is with God's word and in pursuing our relationship with the Lord, that that mystery is, um, is exciting. And as he re the more he reveals to us, the more we want to know him. The, the more we learn about him, the more we want to know him. And I hope in that, uh, because in studying God's word, we can trust that we're doing what God desires for us to do, right? Um, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. I hope we're deeply engaged with this because 
uh, a sister in Christ who works with trauma survivors, someone who she's worked all around the world with people who've experienced uh, horrible trauma. This is something she warns us as sisters in Christ. <clears throat> is what she says. Of one thing I'm certain, unless we are gripped by the truths of the cross of Christ in our own hearts and lives, the hope and power of the cross will not pass from us to others. We can't give what we don't have. And this is her prayer for us. May love and obedience to the Son of Man so govern our personal lives so that he can through us bring his life. And she says to this ruined planet, which has been her experience as a uh, trauma counselor. So the, this battle for our affections, it isn't just over our love for Christ, as she was pointing out, um, but it's also a battle to receive his love sometimes. Another author writing about the heart of Christ writes uh, that we are factories of fresh resistances to Christ's love. We are factories of fresh resistances to Christ's love. We're constantly producing new ways, thinking up new ways to kind of, yeah, but God's generous love poured out on us. Why do we do that? <laughs> is, this, is the mystery of the gospel just too good to be true for us? Um, so otherworldly, we can't receive it with open arms. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? So I think we need one another's help to do that, don't we? Um, I'm going to ask you all now, uh, if you have your Bibles or uh, your study guide, which has the book of Colossians in it, if you want to take a minute and just share with one another, if there was a verse um, that stood out for you, that's really spoken to your heart, one that the Lord keeps bringing to mind from Colossians this summer, uh, maybe we could share some of those together. You can just... <clears throat> You can just say them as you, as you find them. One for me that has really spoken to my heart, Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Chapter 1 taught us a lot about just the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Anybody else find one? Want to share with us, encourage us with it? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Isn't that great, Susan? The Lord can help us know how to answer each person. Anyone else have one they want to share? How's that going? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's great. It's great wedding verse, man. That's what it's all about, right? Marriage? Like <laughs> in summary. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, ladies. All right. So I'm gonna read. Thank you for sharing those. I'm gonna read our passage. I'm sorry. I'm gonna read our passage for tonight. <clears throat> So we're going to start in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 18. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 18. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person Tychicus will tell you all about my activities he's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Anisimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that's taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who's called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha in the church in her home. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. I'm very grateful for all of you in our pursuit of Jesus together. Um, having this opportunity really helps me to abide in the vine, 
to fan into flame the gift of God which is in me and to be a dwelling place for the word of God which in turn points us to our really wonderful true home. This passage we just read gives us some, some uh, simple, really beautiful encouragement in Christian life. Pray continually. Give thanks. Teach the word to those who don't know Christ yet. Walk in wisdom. Use your time wisely. Speak graciously. And then it gives us some examples of those persevering in their faith who served and encouraged the author. A prayer came to mind um, from the Valley Vision, which is an old book of prayers, which I'll often use early in the morning when my mind and my eyes are just waking up and I appreciate someone else's help praying. Um, and this is from a prayer, I think it's called Equip for, Equipped for Service. Enable me to undertake some task for thee, for this refreshes and animates my soul so that I could endure all hardships and labors and suffer for your name. So our brethren there are drawn the connection between our calling, our service, and our endurance. Before I knew the Lord, uh, I had a strong sense that there was something wrong with the status quo. In my late teens and early 20s, the push toward finding my place in the world and how I could participate in a meaningful way in community and beyond it was confusing and overwhelming. And in part, I had shaky foundations in valuing myself and my abilities. Um, and in part, I didn't feel like I fully understood what I was going to participate in. Is life just an endless pursuit? of my own opinions and my own interests, pursuit of my own pleasure? Or is there something really true, a real standard that I could look toward in hope and anticipation and work toward and know when I had done well by it? Was there someone I could truly admire and imitate? I took this search on the road when I was about 25 and I spent 18 months living and working on uh, people's organic family farms in Canada, just to experience a totally different way of life. And I, I got a glimpse into a very different pace and a different way of life, enough so I felt I really couldn't make that kind of a commitment, the kind of commitment that these folks had made to their land, to their animals, to their crops. I mean, they literally gave their bodies and their lives to their work the constant needs of caring for animals. Author uh, Wendell Berry calls these kind of folks stickers, people who stick, people who stay and identify with a place because of an affection for it. So it's more than just what they believe, more than just kind of an ideology or a good idea, but they actually really love what they do and they love their place. It, um, he's identified that as that that's I think the essay I read, I think it, it all comes down to affection. It all rests on affection with stickers. And he contrasts the stickers with the seemingly ever transient boomers. Wendell Berry draws connection between our relationship to the land, the way we, relationship to, the way we relate to the land we live on, and the way we relate to one another. 
As you can probably guess, his affiliation is with the stickers, and he sees them as a glimpse of hope. Hope for agriculture, for the economy, for humanity and culture. He sees the fulfillment of our longings is not in the constant search for something new, but in a growing affection for what we've been given, in thankfulness for what we've been given. So I think this passage in Colossians describes, it kind of lists a number of stickers. These are folks who are persevering in their walk of faith, except for one of them. We'll talk about him in a minute. They're not shifting from the hope of the gospel they heard because Christ in them, the hope of glory, has shifted their affections from what they used to love um, to Christ and for one another. As we've gone through the book of Colossians, we've moved through back in chapter one, the matchless greatness of Christ, who we are in him, the truth of the gospel, and why those truths should hold us fast and protect us from turning away. We've looked at specific temptations that can turn our gaze away from Christ, and then we moved on around chapter three to more specific roles and relationships the Lord calls us to and our responsibilities to one another. And then finally today, we look at a passage where it's as if the author is like giving us a glimpse of his own personal prayer journal. These are the brothers in Christ who, and sisters in Christ who come alongside Paul in his labor for the church. And I love the greetings at the beginning and the end of the epistles. It's just a reminder that these are letters. When I mean, we can kind of read them sometimes like it's a lecture and it feels that way, you know, They're, we learn a lot from them. But these are letters. <clears throat> Paul's teaching about Christ and the church, um, they occur in the context of a relationship. And that's why they're meaningful to the Colossians. A brother is suffering in prison on their behalf, so they want to hear what he has to say. And God help us, that's the model of the church, that the word preached and taught um, occurs within a particular body where we live in relationship with one another. And in this portion of the letter, we see it is directed at a particular audience and we get to meet some of them. So Paul sends greetings from Tychicus, who had the very important job of courier. We wouldn't be reading this passage unless he was the man of character, as he's described and commended for being beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. Anisimus, we learn more about him in Paul's letter to Philemon, which may have been sent at right about the same time as the letter to the Colossians. Anisimus is one of us in the sense that he is a Colossian and that he's a brother in Christ. Aristarchus, who may very well be literally a prisoner alongside Paul. And then Mark, the first of two gospel writers who are greeted in this passage. Barnabas, and there's evidence in this passage that a former disagreement between him and Paul is being reconciled. So praise the Lord. Jesus, who's called justice to distinguish him from his master, and he's the third of the Jewish fellow workers for the kingdom of God mentioned here. Epaphras is also a Colossians who originally preached the gospel to the church and has a vision to continue spreading the gospel throughout the region. Luke, who we learn in this passage, we learn his profession as a physician, who's the author of the gospel, Luke, 
And Demas, uh, we learn about Demas in 2 Timothy, later departed and deserted his work for Christ because he loved the world. Paul gives greetings to the church at Laodicea and the church that met in the house of Nympha. And there's evidence from verse 16 that Paul certainly intended this letter would be read not only to the Colossian church, but to other churches as well. And Paul's message he sends to Archippus, a call to fulfill his ministry, to continue to grow in maturity, which is Paul's wish for the Colossian church as a whole, and really a theme of the letter. And then in the end, Paul takes the pen from his scribe and writes in his own hand, reminding them to pray for him and wishing them the grace of God, the undeserved favor of God, which is both what he's been writing about in his letter and the letter itself is a means of that grace to them. So now we are gonna take a few minutes and write in our own hands. I wanted to give us a chance to reflect on what the Lord has been teaching us, um, to think about verse, a verse that stood out to you from Colossians, and we're gonna make um, a bookmark that you can use in your Bible. And as well, we have the opportunity to serve and encourage sisters in Christ uh, who aren't currently able to meet in person for Bible study like we are. My friend Dana, um, who I met through a large Bible study in town, uh, faithfully ministers in the Camille Graham Women's Correctional Center. And as part of that ministry, they went through all the protocols to get it started, right? To, to get into a prison. Um, but once they get it rolling, um, as part of that ministry, you can't stop. Once you have your space in the schedule, you can't take like a summer break or a fall break or a Christmas break. You have to keep rolling. And so that's what she has done for years, faithfully, and I'm really grateful. Um, unfortunately, since March of 2020, the women have not been able to meet for Bible study, and they still can't right now. And she told me that when I reached out to her, the Lord, I trust, had just placed her on my heart that we could do something to serve them. So um, I suggested to her that we could make bookmarks with scripture to, to give to them, to encourage them. And that's actually okay. If we make them, they can actually receive them, but they can't have anything personal written on them. It can just be scripture and maybe a picture or design. So for your own bookmark, go wild, but for the ones, for our sisters who are in the Correctional Center, it's just scripture and pictures. Okay. Over the years, uh, Dana has shared with us specific prayer requests for women in the correctional facility, and I'd say they fall into like three categories. Um, first off, many prayers for their family, for their children, maybe for their parents. Some of them may have been the caregiver in their home before they were placed in prison. Uh, prayers for health, for their own health and for the health of their families. And then prayers related to their release from prison, that justice would be done, that their trial date would go when it's supposed to go, and that they would be able to um, carry on with their lives outside of prison. Okay. So I'm gonna suggest, um, I personally, I love a quiet corner to pray in, but I'm learning to pray as I go. <laughs> so I'm gonna suggest that as we do this activity, we take about 10 minutes, and Charlie's gonna 
um, turn on some worship music, and that we use that as a time to pray for our sisters in prison so we can create bookmarks for them and be in prayer for them. We're going to take about 10 minutes to do that. And so we have supplies up here. Um, please help yourself. Um, you can do it in your chairs or sit on the stairs or wherever you're comfortable. We'll do that for about 10 minutes and then the music will stop and then we'll break into our groups. And you can continue working on these as well when you're in your groups. There are about 45 women who meet in Dana's study. So I would love it if we could make bookmarks for them. I think that'd be a real encouragement to them. So I'm going to take a minute right now and pray for us and for them, and then you all can get started. We'll get started on that together. <clears throat> Lord, it is, um, I guess the last year's taught us what a privilege it is to gather in your name, to be with the people of God, and I'm so grateful for my sisters in Christ. And I just pray um, that you would continue, as you do, to faithfully uh, give us of yourself so that we can know you and love you more, so that our lives reflect your goodness, and so that we can participate in your kingdom coming on earth. We can participate in your kingdom, your kingdom work. And I'm so grateful for the privilege that you've given us to be a part of that. So I pray for your blessing on our sisters at the Camille Graham Correctional Facility, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use our, our hands today and our hearts and our prayers to bless them and encourage them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.